Well, the book of Job is a book that uh, uh, causes a lot of concern to people, especially the way it begins where uh, the devil's walking around and God's up there. and, And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And that bothers people, you know? I mean, and, and well, it should, because uh, Job went through a lot of tough stuff just because God called the devil's attention to him, right? So uh, this is what we're looking at. And we start off, we see all of the misery that Job went through. Uh, he lost his family. He lost all of his children. He lost all of his property. Uh, He lost all of his livestock. He lost his health. And then, on top of that, he has a wife that says, why don't you just curse God and die? And uh, he says, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Now that's a nice thing for a wife to say to her husband, don't you think? Uh, Now interestingly, this word curse is the word barak. And the word barak means, it appears 330 times in the Old Testament. I didn't count how many times precisely it's used to mean cursing, but I could only find two real quickly and both of them are in this chapter and the first one is in the first it's in the book of job the first chapter job is depicting as praying for his family and sanctifying them for every week and he says because perhaps they have cursed god in their hearts And so that's the first place that Barak is seen. And the second place is whenever his wife says it. And so from that, I can kind of see where he'd be praying for his kids because apparently they had uh, gotten uh, uh, that sort of a teaching from their mama because uh, here she is telling Job, you need to do this. Just curse God and die. Now then, the word Barak appears many, many more times, meaning to bless. Isn't that odd? The same word means blessing and also means curse. But we should, in the English language, we should know that. Have you ever heard of somebody blessing somebody out? (laughs) Yeah, we, we do the same thing. We flip them back and forth too. And uh, But many, many more times, it means bless. In Psalm 103, where David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The word bless is the word barak. And so uh, it can mean either to uh, uh, just to uh, want to have good wishes towards somebody but in a negative sense, it can mean to have bad wishes towards somebody. And so uh, uh, John Wesley 
brought this. He, he really commented uh, a lot on this particular verse that I just read you. And I don't know, uh, John Wesley's love life and married life just weren't the best. I don't know if you know that. He left, uh, he had to leave the colonies. He'd come over here to be a missionary and he couldn't learn the language of the Indians. He was going to be a missionary to the Indians. And so he took this church and then he started courting this young lady named Sophie Hopke. And uh, she was ready to get married. He drug his feet and she accepted somebody else's proposal and got married. And so the next time they came to church, and he was serving communion, he passed over Sophie Hopke and her new husband. And that was, when a pastor does that, that means they have committed some horrendous, bad sin. And uh, so he winds up actually with a, a lawsuit for defamation of character uh, on behalf of the family because of this. And he winds up leaving the colonies, heading back to England with arrest warrants out for him. I don't know if y'all knew that about uh, John Wesley, the founder of our, founda of our, of our denomination. But uh, he wrote, that's when he wrote, in the diary on the way back when he found himself huddled in the ship in a storm while the Armenians were singing in one corner of the, of the hold of the ship. He was huddled down, scared to death he was going to die. And he realized that something was missing from his life. And he wrote in his diary, I went to the colonies to save the Indians. Now, who's going to save me? He realized he wasn't in the right spot. And that's what caused him to come back to England and to really start seeking what was missing, that personal faith that was missing from his life. Well, he did go ahead and get married, but then he was kind of an absentee husband. You know, he traveled thousands and thousands of miles preaching, miles preaching on horseback. His wife was apparently a shrew. And one time she even came into a meeting that he was holding and started uh, berating him and telling everybody in the whole church meeting how bad he was and all this sort of stuff. And so he kind of identified with Job. And I can see why he would uh, write about this, you know. And uh, But he does, he's, and, and what he says is that sometimes the uh, the the tool of the enemy can be people in your own family. And uh, I think he was thinking about his wife as he wrote that. But uh, so anyway, this is just a little bit of history here. So uh, Job was hurting from the loss of loved ones, hurting when he lost all of his finances, hurting physically because of his health. And then he winds up having his self-esteem and his integrity attacked by people that are supposed to be loving him. He was in a bad spot. And then these two friends show up. And these friends 
they minister to him, don't they? And it says that they came and they sat there with him for a week. And I must say, that's the best ministry they gave Job in the whole time that they were there. Because then they opened their mouths and it went downhill from there some more. Because they start saying, well, you know, I've never seen anybody in a spot like you're in that hadn't been really bad. And so uh, his friends were accusing him of uh, doing something wrong and telling him he needed to repent and get right with God. And so most of the rest of the book is about them talking about that. And um, anyway, so I'll just let that go at that. But when they first came, they ministered. They didn't mess up till they opened up their mouths. Okay. Now, and I bring all this to light because we know people that are hurting, don't we? We know people, we just prayed about people that are hurting. And, uh, and, and also, there is ministry to be done. And I want to talk about this because sometimes people are afraid to minister. Sometimes they're afraid. They can, uh, somebody can lose a loved one. Someone can be ill. Someone can have gotten good, some bad news health-wise. And people are afraid to even call them up on the phone. And you know what they'll tell me when they do reveal their hearts like that? I just don't know what to say. Look at Job's friends. The best thing they did was to say nothing. But this is but the best thing that they the, the but also the best thing they did was to be there for Job. And so what I want to look at is how do we minister? to people who are hurting today? How do we minister to people around us, people that we know that are going through different things with their families, with their finances, with loss, with uh, health, self-esteem, integrity, faith, all those things? I want us to look, first of all, look at how God ministered to Job. Because it seems like he's silent for quite a while. But you know what? He, he was there. He was there. And he was listening. And then he winds up helping. And he also reveals himself to Job in ways that he has never known before. And some, and this is one of the messages of Job, I do believe. And that is that sometimes... When it comes to Christian maturity and moving on with him, the only way we can get closer to God is to go through some trials because trials draw us close to God. And that's what happened to Job. He goes through and they have all these theological arguments and and they uh, just take all these different positions through here. At the very end, what happens is that Job speaks to the Lord and he says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. He was taken into a whole different realm with God because of the trials that he went through. 
Trials will either put a wedge between you and the Lord or there'll be glue between you and the Lord. And because Job was a man who of integrity, who really wanted to know and be close to God, God loved him and he brought him closer to him than he'd ever been before. And so uh, that's, but, but so you see tied in there are these three things, presence, listening, and help. And if you'll stop and think about it, those are the ministries of the Holy Spirit to us, aren't they? There's his presence. When you're saved, his Holy Spirit comes and is with you. And uh, the Lord says he is with you and he will be in you. And uh, his presence conveys the Lord's love. His presence conveys comfort. His presence conveys peace. In fact, Jesus called him the comforter. The comfort comes from his presence. And then listening. Remember, Jesus teaches you about prayer. He says, go and put yourself in the closet and uh, your father who hears you in secret will reward you openly. And so he's there with you in secret. And I'll tell you, the Lord is the best listener ever. And uh, if you ever just need to dump, you need to know that you always have an ear with the Lord. You can bear your soul to him and he'll hear everything you say. And then he's also called the helper and he will help you. And, uh, you know, at the end of, uh, we'll, well, I'll t- we'll talk about one of the ways that some of the ways that Job got helped at the very end. But, uh, I want to jump over to our ministry to the hurting. Jesus has told us we need to do this, you know, several times. The most blatant place is in Matthew, the 25th chapter, the 34th through the 40th verses. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, listen to this. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Now, looking back through here, you see these three things, presence, listening, and help in reverse order. Have you ever noticed that? First of all, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. That's help, isn't it? 
That's help. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I see that as listening. How many times are there people that are uh, that just have nobody to talk to because we're all strangers to each other, it seems like nowadays. My goodness, in our neighborhood, we've been living in the same house for nine years now. And this year, we're just finally getting to know our neighbors because everybody lives in their electronic cocoon. You drive in and sometimes you, if you don't have your garage full of stuff, you uh, poke a button and your garage door opens and you drive in. It closes and you are in your electronic castle and you don't come out again till you get back in the car, poke the button and head out of the bat cave to wherever you're going to go. And uh, and so there's no uh, connection between people. You can have strangers living all around you. And uh, and so and whenever you start speaking to a stranger, it's like you are inviting them in. You're inviting their, the, them into your life. And all of a sudden they're there. They have somebody to talk to and they're probably going to talk and then you can listen. So I put listening there naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me visiting that's presence so he's told us to do these three things you see to help to listen and to be there for people and so now then i want to just take another step in i'm just kind of telescoping in and just looking at our ministry these three things that you're supposed to be doing number one the ministry of presence Show up. If you don't ever show up, you can't do anything for anybody. You can't do anything for the Lord. You can't feed the hungry if you don't show up in some shape, form, or fashion. You can't give the thirsty something to drink if you don't show up in some shape or fashion. You can't visit or anything unless you at least get on the phone or send a card. But somehow you have to show up. Barry McGuire, I got, we got to hear him speak one time and he confessed that he got word that a friend of his was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer and that things weren't going well and that he wasn't doing very well. And uh, they said, Barry, you really ought to go see him. And uh, Barry just couldn't bring himself. He said, I just, and he said, I just didn't know what to say. But finally, it was just eating him up. And so he called his friend up. And his friend answered the phone. Say, hey, Barry, how you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. And so they kind of chatted along. And his friend could tell that he was very uneasy. And so he said, hey, man, I, I can tell you, you, you just don't even know what to say. But I just want you to know I'm going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. You know, uh, either the Lord's going to heal me or I'm going to go home. So you see, brother, in either way, I win. So don't worry about me. and Don't care. Don't worry about how you talk to me because either way, I win. And so uh, uh, this is uh, uh, Barry just said that, you know, 
I'm so glad I made that call. You may be not wanting to make a call. You may be not wanting to go knock on a door or something. There may be somebody like Barry's friend that you're just uneasy with how to even start. But let me tell you, Barry walked, he didn't walk away. He hung up from that phone call, blessed. He was ministered to by the person that he was calling to minister to. And that's the way it is a lot. Many times we wind up with more blessing uh, whenever we go out intending to bless somebody else. That's been me in ministry for many, many years. Is uh, I'll go out to somebody that's hurting and I'll come across a saint that glorifies God even in the midst of suffering. And uh, that speaks to my heart. And I wind up being blessed more than them. So uh, anyway, presence show up. There was a the story of the little girl that her mom was tucking in tucking her into bed one night, and a thunderstorm was going on. And she said, "Mom, could you just stay here with me for a while?" And uh, the mom said, "Well, honey." Jesus is with you. You know he's right here with you. And she said, yeah, I know. But sometimes I just need Jesus with skin on. (laughs) And this is one of the reasons why Jesus told us to feed the hungry and take in the strangers and to uh, do all these things because all of us sometime need Jesus with skin on. Every one of us does in some shape, form, or fashion. Now, as I just recall this morning, uh, I just started serving a church part-time. Uh, I was uh, doing a, a year's internship, counseling internship. And uh, as I was uh, doing so, uh I did miss preaching. And so I just like whenever I called the DS, said, is there some place I could preach on Sunday? And he gave y'all to me. Uh, I did that this time. And he and the DS gave me Shepherd United Methodist Church. And Shepherd uh, was a uh, it's a little church, you know, about 12 miles from my hometown of Cleveland. We were living in spring at the time. So it was 60 miles from my church to my house. And so uh, I wound up working there three days a week. And then I was uh, uh, the, uh, uh, well, anyway, uh, I was in charge of uh, uh, publicity and everything for the counseling ministry. And uh, I was in charge of church relations and a bunch of other stuff. And also trying to counsel full time. (laughs) Interestingly, I wound up uh, uh, working for the church three days a week and for the counseling ministry three days a week and got all my hours in that I needed to. And I wound up with a day off out of this thing before I wasn't getting any days off. So uh, anyway, but was the first time I was coming back, I was driving an old raggedy car and I got about five miles from my home and all of a sudden it started overheating on FM 1960 between 59 and uh, I-45. And I had to pull over because it was overheating. And I looked around. 
The only thing, there was some water, dirty, nasty water in a ditch. And there was a subway cup over there, paper cup that would hold about 10 ounces of water. And so I was looking at having to walk. It was a pretty good piece from the, the water to my overheated car. And uh, it was leaking. I didn't know how long it was going to take me before I could outrun the water going out as fast as coming in so I could get home. So anyway, I'm there just, Lord, how is this going to work? And all of a sudden, a pickup truck just kind of pulled over and stopped behind me. And uh, this guy got out of the car. And he just came walking toward me, grinning. You know, what's he grinning about? And it was Don Opel. Don is the guy I had just replaced at the church I was just coming back from for serving. Uh, Don had had a heart attack and had to give up preaching. But he was doing better. And he was driving down the road and wound up right behind me. And just came up just grinning like a Cheshire cat. So, I mean, and it was, you know, there's a 60 mile stretch. Don lived somewhere else. He was just happened to be going that way at that time. And so here we were. And uh, he asked, Hey, Joel, how's it going? I said, Not too good at the moment. And uh, so Don just became Jesus with skin on. He had a gallon jug of water in his truck. And so he was able to get me back on the road in nothing flat. Sometimes we all need Jesus with skin on. And sometimes the Lord wants you to be Jesus with skin on. Okay. So uh, anyway, so how do you do that? As the ministry of presence, uh, you know, whenever I'm counseling with people after they've lost a loved one and I'm asking them, what are you going to miss about that person the most? Nearly every family will tell me just them being there. That's what they're going to miss. Just the presence of that loved one. You don't know how your presence ministers. Don't be withholding it from people. Another a different way you can minister, you can minister through a phone call. You can minister through a card. I remember getting a, I was in uh, isolation in the hospital one time and didn't get to see hardly anybody for a week. If they came in, they had to do the mask thing and gloves and all that sort of stuff. I didn't have human touch for a week. And I got a computer generated get well card from a bank in Texarkana. <laughs> And uh, I cried because I wasn't forgotten. See, nobody would come see me because it was too hard to get in. And they were scared they were going to get the very infectious disease that I had. And this is not COVID. It was, um, it was hepatitis A. It's kind of that you get. It's kind of like the flu, but you get rid of it over time. But at that point in time, nobody would come see me because they were scared of me. And so... But at least a bank remembered me in their computer and stuff. So just I was not totally lost. You know, so anyway, but so sometimes you need the, a card can minister in ways I can tell you, you would not believe. An invitation to lunch or a cup of coffee 
or just a, if there's anything you need, just let me know. They're not going to call on you more than likely. But just knowing that you're there, if they need you, makes all the difference in the world. So that's presence, listening. Uh, we all need somebody to listen to sometimes. I can remember uh, a pastor sharing with how he was doing uh, chaplaincy visitation in the hospital. And uh, he just walked up to the elevator and uh, a lady got there before him and pushed the button. And then she stood back and she went. <sighs> and he's kind of looked and minded his own business. And she goes. And he says, is, it, is everything okay? And she said, no, it's not. And they started talking. And uh, people got on the elevator and off the elevator and on the elevator and off the elevator. The door opened and closed several times as she shared the horrible stuff that she was going through right there with her loved one there in the ICU, not knowing whether this person going to live or die. And uh, what a difference that was going to make in their family if they didn't. And, and all the pressure and all that was upon her. And uh, then she, all of a sudden she said, thank you for listening to me. You just helped me so much. She got on the elevator and took off. But you see, he listened. He didn't have to say a word. All he had to do was be a dumping ground. And sometimes, yeah, it may be nice to make sure you understand what's going on and give a little feedback to make, to make sure that they know that you are listening. But sometimes people just need to dump. And uh, there was a woman in my, uh, in a, uh, in, well, a church had a large singles group. And this uh, woman had come to, to visit with me. And then she was going through tough, tough stuff because she was a single parent mom with a 12 year old son who was sickly and her job was that she was a she was a teacher's aide uh, at uh, a school and if she if in fact she worked at the cafeteria come think of it she had used up all of her sick leave for being with her son when her son was homesick and if she missed her she'd been told by her boss that if she missed another day's work, she's going to lose her job. She had no, no, no backup, no backup, no parents, no, no friends, nothing. And uh, so uh, anyway, she began calling me just to dump because she was under so much stress. Just if he gets sick one more time. You know, uh, and uh, so anyway, I won't go into the, but all these details, but uh, she would call up sometime in the evenings and just go, ah, basically, that's about all that what she was doing. She just and she's she loved to talk to me because she couldn't talk to the her friends in the singles group because they were always trying to uh, give her advice. And she said, I know what to do. I'm doing it. It's just hard. And so she needed, as a lot of single parent moms do, just an ear 
just someplace so that to know that somebody was going through it with her in some shape, form, or fashion. And so listening is an important ministry. And so uh, uh, you don't have to know how to fix anything. You don't have to. They don't need sage advice usually. They just need somebody to care in some shape, form, or fashion. And then help, ultimately help. Uh, COVID-19 isolation, uh, we all got to see different ways to help that we hadn't even seen before. Uh, people that couldn't go out and buy groceries and somebody's getting the groceries for them. Uh, different uh, help with the yard, just all these different things. Uh, but there's so many different ways to help. You'll never know how to help really until you listen. And then you can find out even if they want any help and they might not. Uh, at the end of Job in the 42nd verse, we see a turnaround. It says, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Now listen to this. Remember, he was all alone. At least three guys came by. And uh, then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him before came to him. That's the minister of presence, right? All these people that knew him came to him and they ate bread with him in his house. Now that's presence. And they consoled him and comforted him. They listened to him. And they let him talk about his loss and how it hurt and all that sort of stuff. And uh, then it says, and each one gave. Each one gave him one piece of money and each a ring of gold. So they helped. They found out this guy needs help getting back on his feet. And they found a way to help. And my goodness, and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first one Jemima. Anyway, you know, uh, the second one Keziah and the third Kiran Hapuch. <coughs> Where he got those names from, I, I, need to, I bet you there's a whole sermon in those names. Anyway, in all the land, no women were found so fair as Job's daughters. And their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. Look at that. One of the oldest books in the Bible. And you got equal opportunity between men and women. Isn't that amazing? So anyway, uh, anyway, there it is. Presence, listening, and helping. That's the happy ending for Job. And the Lord helped him and multiplied the help that they gave. So two things that come out of that for us is that a lot of his friends and family held back for a while. But it wasn't too late to start ministering to Job. You may have been holding back on something that you really knew you were supposed to be doing it as far as making a difference in somebody's life. And the Lord's reminding you this morning, it's time to get busy. It's not too late. 
And what little bit that you can do, I can multiply and make so much better. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.